0: Is it true that after 102 episodes, we finally have a guest?
1: Yay! Um,
2: that's what my agent told me. I'm, just, I'm here, so, you know, you tell me. That's
1: me! M- that's me. Hey.
0: We have a guest for once. For once. It's the first time we've ever had a guest. After 102 episodes, we are welcoming Todd from the Computer Resume Podcast. Hey. podcast.
1: Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, it was uh, Kevin was a lot of fun to record with you, and it was good to meet you the other night, Ethan. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm down. Let's uh, let's let's get a little nerdy. Let's. It's
2: fantastic because Kevin and I are driving each other crazy, and new (laughs) personality is going to be a great addition. Might help keep us in line a
0: little bit too.
2: I'm
1: I'm I'm happy to just sit in here in the dark and talk nerdy to you. So for the. whisper some nerdy things into my ear holes i'll whisper nerdy things into your ear holes and this is gonna be great (laughs) um
0: for the one person who may not have heard of your podcast okay (laughs) um shame on them um tell us about your podcast and then also tell them about your podcast and then tell us more and our listeners about yourself as a fan
1: so uh, i was going to start uh the first podcast I was going to start, it took a lot of different forms. It was initially going to be a uh, Highlander podcast covering that whole franchise. And then I was going to start a Batman podcast, which is both of those are still not out of the realm of possibility. It's just I have to make sure my wife won't divorce me before I start another podcast. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I settled on Star Trek and then I, I, you know, in trying to figure out the format and how I was going to cover everything i found a star trek chronology project which uh you guys know jason uh uber nerd uh uber star trek fan uh, you know painstakingly put a lot of work a lot of detail into crafting that whole timeline so i used that and you know i was like all right let's not overthink this thing let's just let's cover the entire franchise in chronological Mm -hmm. order and let's make it you know let's have it be uh, a no gatekeepers, you know, let's just approach this as if we're yep. seeing it for the first time and just enjoy it for what it is. And we'll talk. And if the, if the conversation strays into other fandoms, that's fine too. Uh, but we'll just, we'll go episode by episode and uh, story by story. And um, we're also integrating some comic books that uh, tie directly either to an episode or a film. We're also integrating a few fan films and documentaries. And then we're also uh, uh, periodically covering what I like to call Star Trek adjacent properties. Uh, a few episodes ago, we just covered um, season one episode of uh, season one, episode one of Firefly. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Star Wars and 2001 uh, Space Odyssey and Battlestar Galactica, and mm-hmm. a whole bunch of things um so yeah we're gonna we're gonna you know go through this whole thing and see you know examining the story but also looking at the times that it was made uh right now we're covering enterprise the scott bacula series so that you know came right on the heels of 9-11 so -hmm. the country was in a very particular uh spot at that time uh and also in terms of television production you know things were being done a different way so We talk a lot about that. And, and, uh, you know, I'm basically just waiting for COVID to be in our rear view before I get back on stage again. Yeah. Uh, But in the meantime, I'm asking all, you know, friends, fellow podcasters, comedians, uh, family members, if they'll still talk to me, uh, to come (laughs) on and just talk about their favorite episode of Star Trek um, or experience a brand new episode and give their fresh take. So yeah, uh, computer resume podcast available now wherever you get your podcasts. That that the honestly the hardest part about it was figuring out a name was figuring out the title for it. Yeah. And how did of, you come up with that name? Well, I initially was going to call it uh, Trexperts. and I was like, oh, oh yeah, that's clever. And um, taken. <laughs> and taken. But when I before I figured out that it was taken, the thing that kept tripping me up was spell Trexperts. Do you spell it with an X? Do you spell it with a KS?
0: Uh-huh. Either and are you and would you consider yourself to be inglorious? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very, yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Uh so anyways, uh, you know, in, in looking at things and I was trying to think of something that was said regularly on mm-hmm. the show and something that could kind of go along with what we're doing while at the same time clever. And then sort of, you know, I was watching an episode and, you know, a couple of different times I heard computer resume and I was like, computer resume podcast. So I was yep. like, that's it. That's nice. the one. And I uh, got that over to a buddy of mine. We, you know, whipped up a logo and yep. I was off, off to Th-
0: Those, that's, I think, when that's the best time when a title comes to you, when you're not looking for it. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we had, you know, obviously exact same problem um oh yeah but yeah our title came from like a hashtag that was going around at the time the day the first trailer for discovery actually landed like the first like trailer that showed actual footage mm-hmm. and people were waiting for it and so because nice. we were originally a discovery podcast so yeah i don't remember like if we, i don't think i don't know like if we really shuffled through a lot of different names but at one point i think we just i'm just like yeah. in discovery we trust that's what we should yes. call it that, that's that so was good. a hashtag and we're like okay
1: yeah and it you know it helps to have that. Um... To have that hashtag already in place and yeah. be used and stuff like that. Yeah, because yeah. the the one thing that I found when I was starting up uh, Computer Resume was that it's, except for the accents, it's spelled exactly the same as Computer Resume. So I've, a lot of IT uh, job finding. <laughs> yeah, oh, so like you're hoping people will accidentally. Podcast, that was the first thing I thought was <laughs> yes. how to write my uh, a bunch of IT technology. workers looking for jobs and they keep finding this Star Trek podcast like,
2: damn I it. think it's an interview and you're like so
0: <laughs> well it's also one of those things like you know when you think of like a uh, you know a famous uh like jingle the annoying ones the ones that you can't get away from are the ones that always come up like so you know people are accidentally finding yours because of that and you may be getting them irritated but they're never gonna but they're never gonna forget your podcast
2: name exactly exactly i think what's brilliant about yours is that it's a phrase from the show but it's not super common in that it's not going to be on 10 other podcasts
1: yeah yeah exactly and that's kind of what i was going for was something that at least strikes a chord with uh, fans but at the same time is unique that you know what what is this you know um
0: so when you but when you finish everything when you when you go through all of that when you cover all of trek Mm -hmm. you know you're going to say computer end podcast right
1: uh uh computer uh yeah um arch I'll b- I'll oh yeah yeah like arch. arch that's how you should
0: end your episodes <laughs> yeah, yeah. that
1: way end your episodes that way actually that's not a bad idea yeah. that's that's good I've, I've just been doing this uh i'll see you in 10 Ford. which just makes me look like a raging alcoholic he said as he drinks coffee and whiskey
0: synthahol it's all synthahol <laughs> mm. um there you go well, once yeah we came
2: up with the name i was so happy because i felt so much pressure to find a great star trek pun to make the podcast name oh yeah pressure relieved was fantastic
0: right and i also thought of like yeah on the dollar bill you know on the all our money in god we trust i thought oh well star trek according to futurama star trek is a religion so of course
1: (laughs) that's yeah that's been fun to see uh at least you know i i I mentioned earlier we're still in enterprise so we're just we haven't hit our one year mark yet right but um one of the things that I'm seeing is, if you worked with Scott Bakula, if you were on Quantum Leap, odds are you got at least one episode, mm-hmm. <laughs> a one episode paycheck on Enterprise. Mm-hmm. But now I'm now we're seeing uh, folks like David A. Goodman, who you know, uh, got started uh, with Futurama, like I right. just mentioned, you know right. that episode the folks over at enterprise took notice and was like, Hey, we should probably get him over here. And they did. And Mm. it worked. (laughs) It's
0: interesting really because I, I, because you're going in chronological order. Now I always see on like star Trek reddits and whatnot, people going through Trek for the first time or want to go through Trek for the first time. and don't know where to begin. Mm. And I don't see the chronological thing come up very often, but some do it. And I've, and I've personally have never, never done that myself, but I'm always curious how that would play to somebody if they went through it in chronological order.
1: Well, I know, I mean, clearly, every series was started in a different, in a different era, you know, so there's a lot of, you know, guys my age, you know, they're uh, mid 30, you know, you know, 35 to 40 range Mm -hmm. seems like, Um, you know, that TNG era really hits home, you know, the next gen Deep Space Nine to Voyager, that's pretty much that. If you're on the younger end, yeah, you might want to go towards uh, Enterprise a little bit. If you're a little bit older than that, you may want to start with the original series. But the nice thing is each show, it's kind of the franchise as a whole is kind of like Doctor Who in that at the beginning of a series, you know, much like Doctor Who with a new doctor is a good time to jump on the show is a good time to get started because. We got a new doctor. Odds are we got a new companion. The TARDIS might get uh, a redesign and it's a brand new adventure. So Mm -hmm. it's a good place to start. Uh, So yeah, you know, start with a new ship, a new crew, a new captain, Mm. you know, that's always a good place to jump on the the folks that are the folks that want to start from the very beginning usually are the completists and, you know, you know, they're the folks at the comic book shop trying to get every issue of the run
2: Oh uh, before yeah, they yeah. move
1: on to something else which there's nothing wrong with that correct right. to your heart's content um but just understand like we're like 850 episodes deep you know this thing's been running which don't get me wrong uh doctor who started at, the, at about the same time but because of the structure of british television shows i don't think there's nearly as much doctor who as there is star trek yeah um, no no films i mean you know we we blew past them on films i think yeah. there was only Two or three of those, and those were a long time ago and forgotten for the most part. Um, but yeah, I mean, with their their series, their series initially running like five or six episodes, you know, it's only until uh the 2005 series when they started doing a dozen episodes or more in a series. So,
2: and the and their films are strangely not really connected to the show,
1: yeah, yeah, (laughs)
2: going with Peter Cushing and the Daleks, yeah.
1: yeah that's yeah that's not technically canon so yeah uh star trek has a lot more They've been
2: mm-hmm. around just as long yeah.
1: but like it all counts it was, so yeah, so. yeah it all, it counts. all it all yeah. counts which that's that's the thing is you know for folks who are looking for even if like hour-long dramas aren't your thing like we're gonna jump into i assume here in a little bit there's mm-hmm. some half hour animation that is stellar Yep. and there's films, there's newer films, there's older films, even mm-hmm. have the short treks. So yep. if short films are your thing, you know, if music videos are your thing, you know, yep. you like that entertainment in a nice small chunk there, mm-hmm. you know, uh, short treks, short treks is yep. really well done. Yeah, yeah, if seventies very static animation is your thing, you,
2: you have the animated series. Yeah, exactly. yeah. If
1: you're a, if you're a old school Hanna Barbera fan, absolutely jump mm-hmm. on that seventies uh, animated series. It's it's got its uh, it has its charm, but yeah, it's a little static.
2: <laughs> totally. Yeah, the animation is not one of its charms, but right, no, no. it does have charms
1: <laughs> for, but... for the modern animation fans. I think Lower Decks ticks all the boxes, man. Like
2: oh,
0: totally.
1: Yeah, yeah between totally. The those animated short tracks, I think
2: you're sort of forgotten. But there were yeah. some really interesting animated short tracks
1: where they had a real right. Pixar type feel to them. Right. Yeah. 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 I hope I hope they do more of that, and it looks like they're going to continue that vibe with uh, Prodigy, which I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to. Prodigy, it's yeah. going to be this is this is going to be interesting because it seems like, and I, I try to I try to keep all the spoilers and trailers at an arm's length. Um, right. But it looks like this is going to be the first non-starfleet crew yeah um they just happened to stumble across a starfleet ship so yeah they claim salvage and it's theirs it look that's what it that's what it looks like right so i'm ex- i'm excited to see uh what's going to go down with it i mean they're bringing about bringing back mulgrew and yep uh jason manazookas mm. jason manazookas is in it so i'm in he's hilarious <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, love him and his com- uh, his comedy. So yeah, I'm I'm in from the word go on that.
2: He's fantastic. And yeah, <laughs> I just found out actually. Interesting note to Kevin is that he was from um, Swampscott, Massachusetts, right a little up the road.
0: Oh, mm. y'all's, neck of, boy y'all, y'all's
1: neck of the woods.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> um, I'm really looking to forward you. to yeah. Prodigy, and what I'm most excited about is the fact that we're going to see Starfleet defined for new yep. characters. Yep. Which I really want to see, you know, with this current crop of creators with Star Trek, what does Star Trek mean to them? And I think this might be a really good opportunity to really lay that out because um, Janeway is going to have to be completely introducing the philosophies, the ideals of Starfleet to these characters.
0: Well, We had always talked about how, like, you know, you talk about an entry point for the franchise. Mm it's one of the reasons why I think the Abrams film is so good because I think the Abrams film serves as a good entry point, Oh yeah. but you know, we had kind of gone back and forth about, you know, is the animated show, the, the original animated series, like a show for kids and was that the target audience. Mm. And yeah. I'm kind of back and forth on that because it, you know, the OG Trek fans did love it just as much, yeah. but um, I liked that they were going after a, like a real audience, a real you know, young audience for this one, because for, for prodigy, for prodigy, because, yeah. and, you yeah. know, him, Ethan and I were talking about that. And I was saying, like, you know, well, I got into Trek at that age as well. But I was like, I, I'm ai was a weird kid. So, I mean, my my other my friends at that age, I was the only one nobody else like it just it spoke to me in a certain way. Yeah, nobody else was into it. And obviously, like at that time, there's only three Star Wars movies. So Star Wars wasn't like what it is today like in terms of like being in our lives every single day right right but star wars does a really good job at like bringing those kids on board and it seems like with prodigy they're trying to maybe do a little bit of that there also seems to be a little bit of like almost like that i get a little bit of a guardians of the galaxy vibe to it too
1: very much yeah 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 Yeah, there definitely it definitely appears to be sort of a you know motley crew of you know i don't think i don't think there's a human crew member no which is pretty cool right um Yeah, uh, you know, because, you know, I think, yeah, I think uh, the crews have been mostly, have been mostly human so far. I mean, and I guess that, you know, in terms of canon, that makes sense, like Starfleet was kind of started um, on Earth and all that stuff. For a special
2: effects budget, it makes sense. Yeah.
1: Right, right. So, yeah, that, yeah, it definitely makes sense.
0: My Uh, hope is that the show doesn't get, like, my hope is that the show doesn't get sort of, like, I don't want to say discounted, but, like not maybe not taken as seriously as the other shows because i know that that was the case with the animated series for a little bit when it still seems to be the case with the animated series for a while since but i don't want fans to like lose sight of what of prodigy's contribution to the to the whatever that contribution might be right yeah yeah
1: i mean a lot of times i'm sorry
2: Ethan. go ahead i think scheduling wise It's on a tier below because it's been scheduled to overlap with other shows where that's never happened with this new batch of shows. So I do Mm. think that production-wise, even though they've promoted it right alongside and they've sort of taken out the idea that initially it was very much pushed. It's a Nickelodeon show. It's a Nickelodeon show. Right. They kind of pulled that back. And then they started putting it right alongside the other shows on Star Trek Day and whatnot. But I think we can't look past the fact that it
1: overlaps. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, it's going to to be very interesting to see, because I mean, we've always seen the Federation, Starfleet, we've always seen it through the eyes of Starfleet, through the eyes of whatever crew, whatever captain is, you know, uh, the lead here on uh, whatever show we're watching. So it is going to be really interesting to see, hey, not everybody's in Starfleet. Not everybody's down for the United Federation of Planets for whatever right. reason, be it cultural, uh economic, whatever. Um, it's going to be interesting to see these uh this Motley crew kind of be introduced to all of that. And yeah, we're gonna have to sort of redefine the mission statement, you know, for this for these yeah. for these new characters. And um I'm I'm glad they got somebody, you know, I I'm I'm Janeway's Janeway is uh I don't consider her my captain, but I do mm-hmm. consider her the best captain, and I like that they brought her on to sort of lead this motley crew because that's that's how we remember Janeway. Of like I think, yeah, starting starting off with half of her crew being Maquis and wanting right. to kill her immediately. <laughs> I think
0: I think that's a stroke of genius to put yeah. Captain Janeway and a, and you know not only is it an established captain, but using Captain Janeway as that person, yeah, um, who yeah. you know as we know on Voyager, had very strong beliefs in the ideals of the Federation and Starfleet. And who better to like, you know, get a motley crew in order. But judging from the scenes of the show that I've seen so far, it sounds like she's going to be one who is there in more of an advisory capacity and isn't sort of like going to tell them how to do it. She's more like, you need to figure this out on your own. And I can only advise you so much, but I'm leaving this up to you.
1: Yeah, it seems like it seems like it's going to be a very coming of age. Yes, like, I mean, clearly it's it's clearly geared to kids, and I think you know, and and I'll qualify this a little bit, but yeah, Janeway is going to be sort of the mom who's sort of pushing the baby birds out of the nest of like, Mm -hmm. hey, you you okay, you got you got the ship, congratulations, you get everything that goes with it, Mm -hmm. so you're gonna you know people are gonna see this ship and you know they're gonna think starfleet okay and for better or for worse you're you're in the captain's chair and i think you know with with janeway being the mom so this is the qualification of that like you look at kirk kirk was the pirate picard was the soldier Mm -hmm. cisco was a dad you know or some people view picard as the father but cisco is the dad you know and if you can kind of uh pick that apart and looking at even at uh, at Archer, yep, Archer as the true explorer who had no, who had little to no support, mm-hmm. mostly from the Vulcans who were just kind of like, all right, let us know if you're about to explode. <laughs> um, and then you know, with Discovery, Discovery, Discovery hinted at a little bit of coming of age, but I think it was more geared for a discovery of this new generation of. Star Trek in Mm. the society that we're in now. I mean, before Discovery, it was Enterprise. And we just celebrated the 20th anniversary. So it's 20 years old. Yep. We're all 20 years older now.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know, that was was our chance to sort of rediscover the franchise and Mm. what it truly means and letting that show and that production reflect that. Now, how successful were they at that is up for debate, of course but i think they took clearly on the record right (laughs) but i do think they took a lot of steps in the right direction of uh some story elements certainly in casting and uh, behind the camera so uh yeah and here now you know i think there's a realization of there's a realization of like well, star Star trek fans tend to be a little bit older you know and if if this if this narrative and if this hope for our future and this thought process that started with Gene Roddenberry is to continue, we have to find something that will appeal to this new this new generation mm-hmm. of uh, of viewers. And right. not not there's a lot, you know, as someone who used to wear a uniform and serve and protect, there's not a lot of trust for people who wear uniforms, right? though maybe seeing it through the eyes of a young motley crew of aliens which let's be honest as kids we all kind of feel a little weird a little out of place and as we get older that doesn't necessarily go away right (laughs) so i think i think prodigy is set up to be kind of the next big thing and i mean lower decks kind of set the stage for that with Mm -hmm. you know with it taking the focus off of the commanding officers like and putting it on the people who are, you know, who are working the floor, as it were, you know, the people who are in the rooms, cranking the the wrenches, you know, mm-hmm. oiling the gears, making sure that the ship stays together. Right. That's the people that we follow because that's kind of it's easier for us to see ourselves in them, you know, right. uh, with them and especially it being animated. You know, the those figures are a little more iconic, which makes it easier for a viewer to put our, to put ourselves in their, in their shoes, in their brains. And uh, yeah, I think prodigy is going to be the next step of that of like, yeah, you, you don't necessarily have to join Starfleet. You know, you can do good in the galaxy being who you are. And, but here's this universe and we all live here. So let's, let's, let's explore. All right. That's my soapbox. Sorry. guys.
0: Um, cool well uh, that'll be premiering on Thursday of this week but before we get there um, we have to uh, discuss season two of Lower Decks which wrapped up last week now we typically um, you know cover all the episodes and then we have one more episode to discuss how we felt about the season Um, now anybody listening may have I I think uh, maybe more selfishly myself the first half of the season, I was very kind of up and down, um, on the show. Um, I think I ended the, I, I will say like, I've, i very, I have a multitude of thoughts on this season. I think overall, um, I didn't find it to be as good as last season, but I, just maybe like a tiny bit less, but I will say, I think the show, the season, just at a high level, but I think more specifically, I think the show made some really great strides this season mm-hmm. and really tried to do some things that they didn't do much of last season. Um, you yeah. Know, I think that's fair. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, I, I, totally, yeah, let me throw it I think over to season, you. I think.
2: Yeah. I think the season started, we were getting kind of more of what we got last season and right. that was great. And we were happy to be back and we were enjoying being in the world and then I think about three episodes in, something very strange happened to me because one of my favorite things about the show is that it was so funny. Yeah. And at about the third episode, I just stopped laughing at the jokes. They really started getting very. They took me out of the story, is what oh, it was. Okay. So they got yeah. very referential and it was always something it, it reminded me of um sort of a, one of the family guy cutaway jokes yes where except they weren't coming right, away it, we're gonna mention something that you that you know yeah. and is funny but at a point i just kind of thought of them to get on with the story i was i was invested in the characters i was right. invested in the situations that they were setting up um and almost as if they were listening to my thoughts <laughs> i think within the next two episodes they really switched gears and right. the references got much lighter and they fit a lot better. And it really became much more character and story focused. And then right. I was a hundred percent back into the show, but strangely for a different reason than the first season, the first season, I liked the characters. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed the situations, but I mostly just thought it was hilarious.
0: There was so, a, there was a particular episode. I can't remember which one it was, but around that may, maybe be the third one. Where they were like throwing references at you at an almost like alarming rate,
3: mm, and that's the one I, I was like
0: it. W- it, it reminded me of like um like a naked gun movie or an episode of police squad or airplane where like where they're throwing so much at you, right which is you know funny, but sometimes they're throwing so much at you you may miss something if you're not paying close attention, and I felt like early on to echo those sentiments, like a lot of the humor was coming out was like becoming the the backbone of the story the humor wasn't coming out of the situations that they were in it was sort of like the spine of the story Mm. and yeah like i was getting like the i don't get me wrong i love a good easter egg and i love a good like reference but they were doing it so much that we were beginning to wonder like okay is this all the show is now is this all it's gonna do i mean if so okay fine i guess but like we were beginning to feel like maybe we just shouldn't Maybe we should take it a little less serious now, because it's just gonna, this is just seems to be like all it's going to be doing now.
1: Yeah, because, I think with yeah. uh, I think with Strange Energies is kind of it, it was it was super referential to yeah. uh, stuff from TOS, and uh, but I think they approached it in a unique way. I think that's kind of like, hey, in case you missed the first season, here's what our show is. You right. know, we take we take right. a lot of references from other things. And we kind of spin them a little bit. Mm-hmm. We add a lot of jokes, uh, a la Family Guy. You know, very Family Guy esque jokes. Very um, uh, Rick and Morty. I mean, it's the sa- it's the same animation house, and it's, you know, a lot of the same uh, Mike uh, McMahon is you know yep. from Rick and Morty, so it, that translates very well. But um, you know, and then they sort of continued that with the collector in that mm-hmm. second episode. Uh, Kayshawn, his eyes open. Yeah. Um, And then that's when we get, you know, we get away from, you know, that was kind of like, okay, in case you didn't get it with the, you know, season two, episode one, we do a little bit of the same thing, a little less, but, uh, you know, sort of on the same level with season two. And then with the, you know, uh, with episode three, it's, it's the big, hey, everybody, it's Tom Paris. And, you know, just to be like, oh, and by the way, you know, some of some old favorites might pop.
0: Right. And we were like, okay, Tom Paris is there. Why, though? Right. Like, what's he doing? Okay, uh, n- nothing wrong with it, but what's he... And we, Ethan and I, I think, kind of expressed a little bit of uh, almost frustration at, like, early on, they didn't seem to want to commit to things. So, in other words, like, they throw Boimler on the Titan, but they don't keep him there. They right. killed Shax at the end of last season, but they bring him back.
2: Mariner like, has a big wake-up... um Yeah. And self discovery that that she actually does want to be in command, and she's tired of being a slacker, and then right. that quickly goes away. Right. So so I right. started to, to talk about it a lot. Is I just have to accept that this is a sitcom, and things are kind of going to reset periodically.
0: Right. Exactly. And so
2: I, I became more comfortable with that. Yeah. And, and that's when I think the stories started to have more heft.
1: It, it, yeah. yeah. You know, in looking at and looking at the character development of these uh, of these episodes, they are able to do so much in such a tight space yes meaning agreed with half hour episodes uh a reduced core cast and when i say core i'm talking about you know the the main four as mm-hmm. opposed to count all the main characters of discovery there's like 12 of them right um but you know they're they're doing so much with such uh limited real estate that uh i'm i've been very happy with all the stuff because it it is a sitcom and i think that's what a lot of people didn't necessarily get right off the bat is that it is a sitcom it's the office in starfleet in the world of rick and morty and that's that's it in a nutshell and Mm. it's again like my show trying to structure it for fans new and old they want to show that there is some consistency but you know what like like political jokes you know a lot of folks make fun of uh making fun of trump and of course biden but it goes backwards you know and each generation of comedians makes fun of the current the current Mm -hmm. office but like the two or three offices prior as well so that progresses as well so being that star trek jumps all over the franchise with whatever is happening at the moment they can make references to those old scientists tos and you know have things pop up that man that that happened generations ago Mm -hmm. uh you know but also have people make appearances for no reason like tom paris
0: right and but
1: also be very self-referential uh with it in that he's got a plate there's a commemorative plate right the Star Trek commemorative plates were very were a very big thing back. Yes, in the we talked TV. about that.
2: Died to Reader's Digest.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it makes it very it makes it very relatable while being self referential.
2: That and
0: that yes, particular it, episode that was the one you and I went through all those plates. Yeah, yeah. Go, Sorry, go ahead.
2: Oh yeah, so yeah, we did. We actually we went through a, a bunch of the plates that actually existed. out. <laughs> it was the article on, I think Io nine. Oh yeah. Some of them were really really hilarious. But so that was one of the things that started to just every time it came up, I just it kind of took me out of the show was when I tried to wonder, are these people in the Star Trek universe or are they in our universe? Because they they seem right. to their their reverence for the characters were based on clearly they had watched the show. So obviously right. I'm sure the writers had watched the shows so and they put it put that in there. Right. But right. I guess the 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 concise way to say it is that. I wanted to see the show have a little more confidence in its own storytelling mm-hmm. mm. and to be a, more of another Star Trek show, which right. I think that they're doing really well and perhaps better than some of the other Star Trek shows that are out now. Um, and I think that they did start to do that as the season progressed right. and they really sort of came into their own. Which well, is- when
0: And when you talk about like them referencing stuff as if those Star Trek shows were actually shows in their universe, I mean... In the last, I mean, in the final episode of the season, it kind of gets thrown back in our face, but in a very funny way when Tendi says to the doctor, like, oh, like Jadzia Dax? Who the fuck is that? I don't know who that is.
2: <laughs> I meant Spock. Yeah, I meant Spock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, like Spock. Yeah. But, like,
0: it was the <laughs> first was time. That was great because yeah.
2: I think that was a great corrective. because It was. I feel like right. earlier in the season, someone would have said Jadzia Dax. Everyone would have known who Jadzia Dax yes. was. Right. And that would have seemed strange. But that was the exact right reaction was, who the fuck is Jed Dax? Right. <laughs>
0: right because yeah. we wanted to see because yeah we wanted to see because we don't want the trick I, I don't like it when these shows tend to suffer from what i call the small universe syndrome where mm. only those ships that we see in those shows seem to be the only ones that exist so everybody is aware of what's going on like yeah. when everyone was like finding trouble with like you know what is this nx01 enterprise i've never heard of that before how come kirk never talked about the uss discovery well guys i mean really the shows were not produced yet but i mean yeah. do you but like <laughs> Do you think that Kirk is sitting there like at his computer just going through a list of ships wondering what ship is this? What ship is that? Like, yeah, yeah. are we not allowed to go out beyond these walls, you know, beyond these plywood walls that we, uh, you know, that we toured in Ticonderoga? I mean, exactly. yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, it's one of those things of, uh, you know, and I'm working in law enforcement. um It's a very serious, it's a very serious profession. Everything Mm -hmm. is super serious all the time until you're in it for any real length of time where you start to see the funny things happening. And it's even, you know, (laughs) there's, there's funny stuff all around us. Everybody poops. Somebody wrote the book. Everybody poops. Mm -hmm. It's still true. Mm -hmm. Everybody poops, you know, And I think that kind of got lost in the Star Trek franchise. You know, right. it's like that, you know, people use the holodeck for all kinds of things. You're going to have to clean it out at some point. Yes. And like, yeah, that, it's <laughs> that's funny to think about because we've all f- had those thoughts. Of, well, right. if there was a holodeck, I'll tell you what well, I would do. You know, more like who I do, you know, I mean, yeah, it's a yeah, very it's a very human thought. And I think they're just taking these things that are very relatable and just bringing them to the surface, which
0: we had always talked about how we had always talked about how the show did a really does a really excellent job of bringing these things up that we normally maybe not have questioned. But we're like, yeah, how does that work? Like the sonic shower scene from a few from this season (laughs) or like just all these smaller things were like. I think even in the finale, when we were talking, when Freeman's talking about going to another ship and how she can't bring her senior staff, mm-hmm. and I, and that's when I'm like, well, you know, Picard goes from the Enterprise D to the E, his mm-hmm. staff does come with him. I mean, granted, some real world stuff is there. You're a cast of a TV show that's going from one movie to the next, so and that makes sense. Right. The
2: flagship crew. But what's the, the reason? Flagship.
0: How e- is it? Can that be done easily on the world of that show? Yeah.
2: Right. I'm going to go against sort of what I just said, but one of the things I do think the show does really well in using past Trek that we all know is when something happens that seems bonkers, that would seem bonkers in our world, whenever it happens in a Trek show, everyone acts as if it's still bonkers. Like someone comes back to life. But in this show, (laughs) they make the point of saying, well, no, it's not a big deal. It happened this time, this time, this time, this time. And they've done that a few times when something really crazy has happened. Right. And I think that's been very effective. So they sort of acknowledge the insanity of the Star Trek universe, which we don't really see any other shows do. Right.
0: Like when Boimler's like, oh, you know, I got transporter cloned as if that's a normal occurrence. Or when the giant head is coming to the ship, you know, Captain, this is a giant head. I think the best one that they did, which is still my favorite now, uh, is in the finale of last season when they go back to the planet beta 3 and return to the Archons, beta 2 beta 2 i think it is and you see what happened after kirk and spock left Landru behind they yeah. left behind lent right because one of the things that we had always discussed was like you know next generation none of the other shows go back to those crazy planets from the original series they're still out there yeah but they never go back to them like what yeah. what happened yeah and when i saw that they did that when they when they saw what hap- when they showed what the result was after kirk leaving and you just see Landrew in the background with starfleet caution tape and it just says do not listen to Landrew." got
1: a wooden, pl- <laughs> I'm wooden, like, wooden plank sign right
0: and i'm like and i Landru. i was i i mean up until recently that to me was one of the, that was probably the funniest thing i had seen
2: yeah
0: on the show because it's it was just it was so to
2: imagine Kirk and Spock, Spock, uh, Kirk leaves and those societies that he's taught this great moral lesson to with his monologue at the end, just go right back to being exactly the way they
0: were before. Right. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, I think this season, again, you know, made a lot of great strides over the last season. Like the the first season to me felt like the show's here, it just has something, it has to prove itself and, you know, win everybody over. And it won me over, really, in the first scene of the first episode. Mm. But what i love that they did this season was they they paired everybody off differently you know you had you had episodes where you had mariner and tendy yeah. sharing a mission together and they as much as get into it by tendy saying like you don't even know my first name and you're like yeah. yeah they haven't been together or you know i love the kind of like buddy buddy relationship between boimler and rutherford yeah. um You know, they really made some... Or sometimes they would have episodes where you had three of the lower deckers together and then one person going off on their own. They did a lot of, like, experimentation with, like, changing out the dynamics a lot this season, which I really appreciated. And the other thing that I think you had just mentioned a little while ago, Todd, was, like, they they packed... There were moments where they packed... There are episodes where they packed a lot in, in, like, 25 minutes. I mean, it was, like, that, 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 that penultimate episode when you see the lower decks of all the other ships... Mm -hmm. when we were talking about that episode, I was like, you know, I'm like that. I'm like, was that only a half hour? Cause it felt like it was like an hour. Cause they just, they fit so much into that episode. And so it had a beginning, middle and end. No, there were no, like, I mean, there was one sort of like thread left open at the end, but otherwise like it was an extremely tightly done satisfactory episode. And I'm just like, I,
1: yeah. yeah." I. I I was really surprised in, uh, well, I guess it is the uh, the season finale of season two where yeah. uh, they've removed all the plating from the ship and yes. even the, the view screen from the bridge. So mm-hmm. it's just open yep. <laughs> and uh, uh, Mariner's uh, unofficial nemesis, uh, Jen, yeah. uh, the Andorian, yeah, yeah. is there on the other side of that uh-huh. opening and Mariner comes and takes her post, but they look at each other and smile and nod and then they're right back in but that tells you that gives you so much Mm -hmm. that would have been a whole big huge conversation and yeah they kind of wrap stuff up in the in the in the mess hall at the end but like that moment specifically would have been at least a five minute conversation but they they wrap it up so tightly with just Mm -hmm. a look and a nod and and we know we know what we know what just happened there and that's how they are able to keep this thing moving. Yeah,
2: you know? totally, totally. And I think actually, bringing up Jen brings up another interesting thing that I think this show has done really, really well. Um, I, I was surprised after the that episode, I saw some uh, sort of dust up about have yeah. has the show confirmed that Mariner is a bisexual. And the, the thing that I, I thought of, which was beautiful, and this is what I always say about Star Trek, the point of Star Trek with representation is that these things don't matter in the future. So, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. they, they if they showed it, that's, that's perfect. because no one commented on it. No one talked about it. No one made a big deal about it because in the future that is not even on anyone's radar as something worth thinking about. Mm -hmm. It is the same as Chekhov. Having a Russian on the bridge was the point him just being there. They didn't have to talk about the evils of communism. They just had to have him on the bridge.
1: Right. This is, this is where I would insert the sound clip uh, from that episode of friends where Chandler and Joey go on a, on a date uh, on date with two girls. And it's a blind date for Chandler. And Joey looks at Chandler and goes, "How's my hair?" And Chandler leans in and just goes, "I don't care." <laughs> <laughs> so, when people start talking, well, is it confirmed that uh, that she's bisexual, or da, da da or whatever it is? I'm like, well, uh, hear what you're saying, and if, if what you're saying is true, I don't care. <laughs> that is well, what <laughs> that is, is the least of my concerns. Didn't I don't care.
0: McMahon had a response to that, right? The, the thing you said. Did he? Um. Yeah, Ethan. McMahon said oh, something yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, you put me on the spot. I don't remember what it was, but he definitely had a response.
0: <laughs> oh, no, no. I thought I remember you saying like he said, like, yeah, but it doesn't like it doesn't matter. Like I think it was that response. Yeah, like it doesn't that, matter. That essentially, yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: Which I think is is that's what I liked Star Trek to see. I think Star Trek's inclusion yeah. is the point. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it's like where, we, Yeah,
1: I mean, and when you know, the uh Culver and Stamets, you know, people yeah. started, you know, what? I'm like Motherfucker, there's it's, there's homosexuals now. It's like, 2017. How is this a big yeah. shock for you. It's 2017. When Roddenberry right? tried like, yeah,
2: to yeah. have them a big part of um, have characters, uh, homosexual characters, a big part of Next Generation. But then he got ill and didn't have much control. Right. right. But that okay. was how many 40 years ago. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I just cursed. Isn't that, it are, are That's fine. No, okay, we already right, cursed right, earlier sorry.
2: when we quoted uh, the doctor saying "fuck." We always oh. do.
0: We always do. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah, fine.
1: Yeah. I gotta. I gotta say those are some of my favorite moments. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like, this is, I mean, because you yeah. know it's coming, but it still hits. And it's just, you know, I, I may, and I, again, I, one of my favorite characters, I don't get me wrong, I haven't really seen a lot of characters on lower decks that I don't like. Mm-hmm. But I think the idea of, and I know we've made a couple comparisons to Family Guy already, but the idea that Brian, the dog on Family Guy, is very intellectual and yep. he's written a book and, you know, he has a taste for women and, and fine alcohol and stuff like that. Yep. But he is also a dog. Like if you throw, if you go <laughs> want to get the stick, like he'll be like, oh, please don't. And then you'll throw it and he'll just, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's still a dog. Right. Um, Dr. Ta'ana, same thing. Like,
0: oh, God. The cat I, in the box. Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: she's She is 100% Cation. Like she's. I And I love <laughs> I that need, they, they the, did that. I need that box. So two and it was it.
0: two episodes in a row about her cat. Yeah. tendencies two in a row yeah, yeah i definitely
2: um, expect to see a laser pointer next season
0: you know and and i hate to do this like i, I don't you know because a lot of like haters like to say about new trek like this is not star trek this is not star trek and like that's sort of a gatekeeping you know comment right but right you know we were talking about the finale last week and one of the things i had said was um you know I think just there because we were talking about how like what is it about this show that just works? Why is it so good at what it does? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And we were talking, and you know, Ethan loves us. The we have those conference room scenes on lower decks. We have, and I said, you know, intelligent
2: people making decisions together.
0: Well, I said, you know, despite like you know, Discovery doesn't do enough of that. Picard, it doesn't follow tradition anyway, so that's fine. But like, yeah, I said, you know. When you do a Star Trek episode, I mean, you can't really say that the Star Trek episodes have a sort of template to follow, but I would like a, like a, you know, a fine template to follow. But there are sort of like templatized things to do, and they did it in the finale of of uh, Lower Decks. So, you know, we have that scene where they're strategizing of what they've got to do then you have like that montage of the crew working together to get the ship ready like you know as if like when they were preparing for battle in the wrath of khan or when they were getting ready to take voyager through borg space and scorpion you right. see the crew getting ready getting the ship ready working together for the for the huge task at hand right and like those i mean he was calling them tropes and in a way yes they are tropes but we mean that in the but best positive possible. they were the best possible way It's it's those things that make it feel like a Star Trek show, to me. Now, not saying like purpose for
2: them, so they're they're doing all this for a selfless reason to help other people in a situation where they really don't have to also so it's just that's hitting a ton of the ideals right
1: yeah whereas most of the episodes i think are focused on the the lower deckers and you know there's that feeling of sometimes you know especially if you're working a job and you get a you get a directive or an order or whatever it is you know from upper management who you may see Mm -hmm. occasionally that's kind of the vibe they're going for of like okay i guess we got to collect everybody's trash today and whatever but this one yeah with that it does kind of harken back to a lot of traditional tropes of Star Trek, but I think it's the, those are the best elements of Star Trek. Right. Like, Hey, <clears throat> it, it is ideally how we should approach anything. Like we sit down, the people are in charge. We sit down, right. we discuss it thoroughly. We discuss mm-hmm. our options. We look at what's best for the group, you know, uh, what's best for the the many the few decide the, what's best for the many. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, here's our directive. Here's what we got to do. Here's what right. we're up against. This is what I need everybody to do. Okay, let's get to work. And yep. and, and then everybody pulls together and gets it done. Right. Yeah, everybody works. Everybody pulls their weight to, to get this thing accomplished, to save the planet, save the ship, right. save the whatever it is. And right. uh, yeah that's Mm -hmm. great
0: yeah and that's an element that i felt like has been missing from the other shows and it but it's one of those things like it wasn't really on the top of my mind it wasn't until i saw it on lower decks and i'm like yeah i haven't seen like i feel like like lower decks is so good at making me feel like i'm watching a show contemporary to the 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 90s the next generations era of Trek shows right so it's fun and it, it the show never ceases to amaze me of its deep understanding of just not just the lore of the of the franchise of the universe but just how like episodes are laid out just like how an episode is done yeah really and
1: I, to that you know and i i know we we don't want to spend a whole lot of time on discovery but uh, yeah. you know to take just a second in defense of discovery here right. I'll, I'll take that side you know that may be something that comes with doing something with doing a narrative as right. serialized as discovery of course is right. which the silver lining, the the plus to that is not everything, and I mean, gosh, we could find umpteen uh different examples of this in our own society and culture in this country. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of like, hey, we did discuss the issue and we did get to work, but something went wrong. And now we have to work through this right. pickup. Yeah. And I think that's where, like, instead of a bunch of big problems, we've got this one giant problem. So now we're gonna right. cover it. We're going to cover this chunk right. this week, and we're going to work towards this goal. Now we're right. going to work towards this goal. So that's actually a more realistic approach. Flip side to the coin, you don't get your uh, dilemma wrapped up in forty minutes and two commercial breaks, right. or in the case of lower decks, a tight twenty-two. Right. <laughs> well, we don't, mm. we don't get that. You know, it's yeah, okay. I, we we got to show these things with that limited real estate that lower decks has, and right. move on.
2: And my response to that would be that the show you're describing sounds great, but it's not nice Discovery.
1: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, but that's I one mean, of the... Re- maybe I just described season one and two of Discovery. That's I'm one on of that.
0: the reasons why we're so excited about Strange New Worlds. Because like, when we hear Akiva mm. Goldsman saying Captain Pike wants consensus, we're going to have conference room scenes. We're just like, fuck yes. And, but I think nice. you're right. I think it is. it is a symptom of doing a more... Episodic in a more episodic structure yeah right because if you're doing a season-long arc you may not be at the point yet where you need to get consensus in a room yet to figure out because you've only progressed so much on the problem right now yeah right like whatever they're going through in an episode of next generation is being extrapolated throughout an entire season yeah right so i can yeah i mean i can see it that way yeah
1: and I'll, and I'll even take it back to, and I know, Kevin, we talked about this at least a little bit on uh, when you were on Computer Resume, but, mm. um, you know, because Enterprise, again, the Scott Bakula series, because it sort of fell in that, er, you know, right after 9-11, it was kind of at the end of that um, episodic trend, but it was right before the serialized trend. Yeah, really this is like right before
0: lost. lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: so that's where you've got season one and two of enterprise is very episodic. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they do make a lot of callbacks, which is great, but it's not until season three and definitely in season four, where you're getting a lot of two parters, a lot of three episode arcs Mm -hmm. back to back. Right. So, you know, instead of taking little steps, we're taking one big leap here and there, you know, and, uh, it got more into that more serialized format, you know, there towards the end. And I, right. I kind of wish it had continued because I would have loved to see what season five and six would have looked like. But yeah, uh, four know, really did come together. Four, yeah, four really knocked it out of the park. It's it, interesting. I
2: see it as like the progression from the X Files, mm. in that you've got those standalones and then you've got mm-hmm. some that tie into the bigger picture. And it's right. sort of this it didn't know what it wanted to be because it was like you said, it was, it was that bridge between. Right. But it it sort of foresaw what
1: was coming, but just and ABC's lost really kind of changed everything. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But we had talked about how, like with season one of lower decks, I remember saying at one point I was saying, you know, I feel like we're getting a taste of how strange new worlds is going to work where they're doing episodic. They're doing episodic, but the character arcs are being carried through. That's the, that's what the that's the ongoing thread it's where the what the characters are going through but right. every week is going to be a situation of the week a planet of the week so um yeah so yeah I mean I'm I, and I I've just it's, a throw, I've,
1: it's gonna be a throwback it sounds like, right which is totally fine um you know we'll you know the proofs in the pudding so well, we can and, use all kinds of Star Trek <laughs> well and uh, you yeah. know Ethan But I uh,
2: do think that makes an interesting point because yeah. if we look at this season of um of uh, man that was loud okay hold on i think that makes an interesting point because if we look at this season of lower decks mm-hmm. there was sort of a five episode arc of packlid that right. led to the to the, yeah. to the uh the, the cliffhanger the big cliffhanger so they've dipped their toe into that serialized
0: they did a lot but of didn't it we know?
2: it's almost as if we didn't really know it was serialized well, while we were watching it until the last
0: the thing was episode, like they had the packlids in the beginning and they were using klingon disruptors we had that episode later on but i was like oh my god i didn't even catch that because i was not going into the show with that in mind Mm. because i i knew the show to be more episodic so when they began to do they were sort of doing some light story arcs here and there i was like oh okay well okay yeah the klingon disruptors that makes sense now but it, it wasn't really something i had thought about it didn't my mind was somewhere else on the exactly. show at I that time.
2: Thought, oh, we're just seeing the packwoods a lot. The packwoods are funny inherently. And they're dumb, so, so they maybe have they, they have the wrong disruptors. The funny. They have
0: the sure. wrong disruptors for a reason because they're dumb. They're using Klingon not even their own, right? Yeah. So it kind of, you know, but it, that wasn't something that I didn't I didn't put any thought into that because I think no. where my mind was at that time was how's Boimler getting back to the Cerritos? Right. That's and, what and I, I didn't put it
2: together about. until we saw Captain Freeman arrested. Right. And then sort of the plot was revealed. That, right. Uh, Holy crap. She seems to have been framed for working <laughs> so, with uh, the Paklins to attack a Klingon ship. Yeah. Well,
0: and see, you gave, so that's a great segue because one of the things that w- I thought really worked this season was that they were doing more kind of like legit, it's going to be a weird way to put it, like legitimate Jeopardy because there were yeah. there were there were moments where they were just like cut like you know when that pack led officer got loose on the ship and they cut to a commercial I was like oh my god what's going to happen like I felt more kind of like nervous about things that were actually happening mm-hmm. And we, we got, got a it,
2: proper starship battle. Yes.
0: Yes yeah. for one finally. That was nice <laughs>
2: yeah. to see. Yeah. yeah, fire phasers and to move the power to the rear shields and all that. Oh great. Wow,
1: right. Yeah. And it, uh, yeah. you know especially with besides besides the Cerritos and the Packwood ship, you got Kling, you got the Klingon ship in there and the Vulcans. And like yeah. it was it's kind that of, it was pretty dope. Like had a board had a board cube showed up, I'd have just been like, oh, yeah. oh it's everything.
2: Well yeah.
0: the, the,
1: the
2: and also the, to bind the humor from it. In the yeah. reaction of the Vulcan captain after right. the battle, yes. <laughs> humans want to engage in a little celebratory, uh, you know, banter. Right. Yeah. So Vulcans are not having it.
0: At the end of that episode, I had said, I had said to him, I'm like, I, I'm like, I honestly, give me my Klingon lower decks show because I could. I, there's so much humor from that to mine, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. He was talking about the Vulcans, and I was like, Vulcans, and I just you were looking at it and seeing like you thought it was brilliantly funny, and I was like. I wasn't even looking at it that way, but I, I didn't really read much into their lines, but when I went back and watched it, I was like, yeah, they are being pretty funny. Actually. It, I just, it yeah, wasn't, it was just above, I was just over my head at that time. Cause I
2: wasn't,
1: it was, yeah, it yeah. was a totally fat tire. It was
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: in and their they, delivery. And- they are all, they are all Toby from the office. The, every single one. Michael, I need to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> there, That's kind of the vibe of that. The, um, yeah. Well, see, okay. and I'm like, I'm a,
2: I'm
0: a classic case of needing to watch something multiple times to catch other things. Right. Because right. I, where my head was at that time was like, why are we going to these other ships? What's going on? Like, I'm trying to figure out, cause it was so unlike any other episode we had seen yet. Mm. So I'm like, why are we jumping from of these other ships? What's going on? And so I wasn't, Klingons are just naturally funny cause they're just over the top anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're like bad Shakespearean actors. But the Vulcans, I was like, "What's going yeah. on here?" Like this, but I, but I, the humor and all that wasn't reading to me at first. Mm-hmm. Until I went back and watched it after recording, I was like, "Okay, I see it now." Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: it, yeah, it was it was the the, the disconnect yeah.
1: between the words they were saying
2: and the way they were saying it, <laughs> yeah, and right, what absolutely. we saw and how they were describing it. Also, right,
1: right. Well, so so everybody seems to be uh, talking that that. That Vulcan ensign may wind up on the Cerritos. That's I who saw, we were. Yeah. We yeah. Were I, that, I'm yeah. wondering. I would be
2: really surprised if
1: she didn't. Yeah. I'm wondering if the, uh, someone from the Klingon ship, maybe that commander, because right. of his actions, you know, gets expelled from the, the high command or whatever and, yeah. you know, takes asylum with Starfleet or whatever it is. I don't know. I hope the Vulcan I mean, Perhaps does. they were involved in the conspiracy. Well, they, 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 Yeah, they were, up to a point, obviously, but yeah.
0: I hope the Vulcan officer does, because I had always said, since then, I said, you know, the show lacks a proper foil. Everyone's getting the same kind of comedic...
1: Right. Comedically, everyone's coming from the same place. Shax is great for that, but his is so cartoony.
0: And he's so underutilized, too. He's Like, he's so... Yeah.
2: He's gotten more funny as it's gone as we've seen his rage pottery and different yeah. aspects of yes. him. so there I think yeah he's taking on I'm a, sorry Shaxx
0: you said Shaxx after some reason I was thinking Kayshawn Kayshawn oh. is who I meant being underutilized Shaxx well, Kay- yeah yeah Kayshawn yeah. would be hilarious yeah, yeah.
2: Kayshawn's great too they're hilarious
0: so um, as we uh, you know begin to wrap this up so we obviously 10 episodes of the season does anybody have a uh, favorite episode of the season? Todd, I will start with you.
1: Sure. You know, uh, in looking at this, you know, when I sat down to you know come up with my uh, my favorite episode, I was just kind of like, oh man, you know, with it with it being only ten episodes, it's kind of difficult to pick a favorite because they're yeah. all uh, very similarly. Um, structured and uh, the great writing and character development and all the you know the jokes are solid all the way around i was just like okay so mm. let's you know let's start looking a little bit deeper at something that um you know that really stuck out to me you know since i did go through the season twice right i was like okay we're gonna find at least we're gonna find we're gonna narrow it down so i think i settled on an embarrassment of duplers uh episode five um And mostly because Richard Kind as the Dupler emissary is just so goddamn funny. Yep. Um, I kept, while the wife and I were watching, um, every now and then, whenever uh, Richard Kind, you know, the Dupler emissary would Uh talk, I would just sort of lean back and go to my wife and go, Andrew, (laughs) Andrew, Andrew, like his character from Big Mouth. And I was like, this is so great. And he's such a great actor. Like even you know, his, his small, uh, the, um, the hypochondriac he played on scrubs, like he's such a great actor and you, mm-hmm. it's easy to love him and it's even easier to love to hate him. Like, <laughs> and
0: it, that voice of his is so identifiable, right? Yes. Cause he doesn't, there's nobody else who sounds like him.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the weird thing about this particular episode, because, you know, and I'm, I'm always more, um, getting into the characters and the relationships and I think, uh, Boimler and Mariner definitely have a little bit of a breakthrough. Like it really comes to the surface how much it hurt uh, Mariner that Boimler left for the Titan. And it all kind of comes to a head at this party, which um, as we, as that episode, just before that episode came out, I had had uh, one of my recordings with Redshirt's podcast. Um, where we covered the best of both worlds. And I had Mm. said in that recording that I was really bummed out that the character of commander Shelby never made another appearance in the franchise because I was like, Oh man, she was a really great, she was a really great character. It was a really, it was really great to see her sort of toe to toe with Riker. Mm -hmm. And I, and I like literally just finished that. And then they come out with this episode where now she is, captain uh, of mm-hmm. her own ship yep. and uh i was like oh man i felt like i willed that into existence <laughs> <laughs> good job yeah. yeah thanks but all that to say you know they're at this party and you know they can't you know everybody can't get into the party and everything and yeah. you know when he does get it when boymark does get in it's not nearly as great as you know spending time with the yeah. people you really want to spend time with and it made me want to open My own Star Trek themed bar, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, called Niners or Guinan's. I hadn't really decided and maybe have a performance space called Fontaine's Footlights. I haven't really put that much thought into it or anything. But uh, yeah, that's that's uh, what I may do in the in the distant future. If I ever uh, make my fortune
0: (laughs) that 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 episode has my favorite moment of the season. I I love that moment at the end. When Boimler, when Mariner carves her name and Boimler's name into the bar next to Kirken's box. That's great. Because that's the episode where they mend their relationship. And it ended. I was so like, I loved when Freeman looked at the bar and she saw it. But even, like, in the moments before that when Boehm was like, no, no, no. Like, when when Mariners was like, you're my number one. He goes, no, no, you can't. I'm not your number one. Like, I want to do a redo. And they're, like, they're bickering back and forth. They're, like, two little kids, two little weird kids. Yeah. And I got this (laughs) sense from Captain Freeman who, you know, was pissed off that she couldn't get into the party either. But to me, it kind of felt like it was a moment like, you know, you two are so – you're a bunch of – you're, like, weird little kids. But you're my weird little kids. Like, you're my kids. kids. And, like – It was sort of a moment where I just felt like where it all kind of came into focus. Like we don't need to be on a prestige ship. We don't need to go. That's all just pomp and circumstance. We don't have to go to that. And I just ended that episode with a huge smile on my face because that to me solidified their relationship. But I and I'm and you know my eyes kind of welled up a little bit too because it was just it it just it worked on so many levels for me.
1: It's a a very it's a very sweet moment. Yeah.
2: I thought it worked really, really well. I loved the character resolution between Mariner and Boimler. And I love that realization where you really had the lower deckers and the the bridge crew. Mm -hmm. Both kind of came together, realizing that in the grand scheme of Starfleet, we're all lower deckers and we're in it together. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. But where my terrible logical mind came in, when I saw Kirk and Spock, I just thought... I could not imagine spock participating in that he would say this is this is a pointless uh exercise uh kirk why why, would, why are we vandalizing why this are book? we defacing
1: this well, establishment
2: uh,
0: and, <laughs> and you were talking about on our episode you were like well they must have been on the enterprise right so was the enterprise not a prestige vessel back then like he's like i'm like <laughs> right. well, i guess it was a different world back then i don't know
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah well yeah, i mean I you know it. knowing knowing kirk yeah He may have pissed off somebody. Maybe. (laughs) They were were asked to leave.
0: There could have been some Admiral's niece that he slept with and didn't want to get it and didn't want, you know. So, yeah. Who the fuck? But no, I remember you doing that, Ethan. And I'm like, and I'm like, and I used your logic against uh, that you used on me against you. I'm like, I think you're thinking about it too much. Yes, I think you are thinking because because he's God knows he said that to me many many times. <laughs> so I was more thrilled that I could use it against him, and I said that moment. I was overthinking that I moment was. to me is just there to simply cement to say to you their relationship is th- is as strong as this too. That's all it's there for.
1: Yeah,
0: it's on yeah, par right. with Kirk and they, they. You know, it's in a way on par with Kirk and Spock. Like they're tight like that. I
2: agree. And so yeah. Well, you still Each- could have done it in a way that made sense for this characters in my humble
1: opinion yeah each each one would realign the warp core you know yeah for, for the other <laughs> oh totally absolutely
0: <laughs> uh what's your favorite
2: uh so my favorite is episode 6 the spy humongous
3: oh
0: nice. not
2: the spy among us but the spy humongous I guess yes. is supposed to be a little play on words oh yeah but here's my favorite aspect of this so we've talked a lot about how The show, we've never been sure, are we in the universe or are we outside the universe commenting on it? Yeah. And I think that a few things happened in this episode. One is that Boimler really mm, progressed a lot as a character in this episode. Oh, yeah. And I think that we sort of got a representation of that. It's almost as if he rejected that outside, our, our looking in at Starfleet and having this Sort of skewed vision of what it is, and him getting to like what Starfleet really is. Um, so when he joined the group called the Redshirts, yep, ironically enough, who were yeah,
0: <laughs> they're named after your po- after that podcast you were on.
1: Right. Exactly, that's it.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all looking to get on the fast track to promotion. So we're very much like Bormler when we first met him. Mm-hmm. The problem is that they had let ambition completely get in the way of what Starfleet is actually about. Right. Yeah. And there's a part of Boimler that still was kind of, you know, had that in mind that that's what he wanted. So he sort of left his friends and went with them. And I just thought it was really well done how he realized that they were more about acting like a captain and doing sort of the showy things that would make one seem like a captain. They didn't really get that what it's actually about. And I really love the line when the leader of the red shirt says, we work in Starfleet. They work for Starfleet, talking about Oof. our lower deckers. Oof. Uh, and then he says, this, this isn't a friendship. It's a starship.
0: I <laughs> love star? that. I uh, loved that. That was, I've, I'm like, I can almost hear the writer going like, oh, I'm so glad I came up with it. That's so well, good. Both
2: of those lines are so perfect.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's never yeah.
2: Uh, a better emphasis on the tiny words i can see the italics on ian and four in the first yes yeah (laughs) um but then when tendy turns into an insect and starts ravaging the ship yeah right (laughs) it's so great when boimler asks are we gonna are you gonna do anything and they and they all start giving these soaring (laughs) rhetoric speeches overlapping the ship yeah And
1: inspiring the crew. We are the crew.
2: <laughs> yes. And then it's so funny too, because one of them says, uh, Starfleet Manual defines danger as <laughs> And being someone being someone that teaches high school writing, students yeah. often want to begin essays with Webster's dictionary defines Ugh. bravery as <laughs> <Ugh. Yes. laughs> Maybe try something well, so, else.
0: I remember that so I remember so you like to point out like times where you think what certain things the show is poking fun at. And I remember I said to you, I'm like, I feel like the show is poking fun at discovery with the speeches. Cause every time you see a trailer for like a new season of discovery or like a new episode, it seems like you always hear like Michael giving some kind of speech or like I said, that show is really notorious for like Michael giving some sort of like inspirational speech about like what Starfleet is. And I'm not trying to tool on discovery cause you know, other shows do it. I'll have other shows have done it as well, but I, w- I just felt like, Discovery does it a lot. And I was like I'm wondering if they're like taking a jab here or something like that. I don't know, but
2: Well, I think we yeah. get the bigger potential jab if if we want yeah. to think that that's what's going on at the end of this episode. Right. Yeah. Um So, but the, the thing I think's is great is that Boimler realizes that the way to actually get ahead in Starfleet is to you dedicate yourself to the ideals, dedicate yourself to the mission, right. dedicate yourself to your crew and your ship. Just be the best member of the team as you can, and that's right. what he does. That's what he is willing to make a fool of himself uh, yeah. in order to save the ship from, or and not really to save the ship, but to save his friend Tendi from right from what she's going through as a giant insect.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and and then the if end- you get and if you get the chance, you know you prank call Armus. Oh, that was
0: fantastic.
2: <laughs> <Totally>. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. So
1: the fun thing is that so
2: the leader of the red shirts gets the captain's chair, but <laughs> removed from from actually being a captain, actually buying into it. The chair means nothing. It yep. was given to him as a toss off. You know, they yeah, yeah. so just needed someone literally to sit in it and, and you know <laughs> watch the phones, so to speak. Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> but see, shift change. Get out of my chair. What I love about the episode is that it that episode specifically is that it's very star trek in the sense of like a character has to do something defy the odds as it was or rise above to the occasion and that in itself is what makes them a good starfleet officer and like don't isn't there a moment i I can't remember isn't there a moment in the episode in that episode where it's like you know sometimes we have to do like the stuff that nobody else wants to do but that's just part of being in starfleet like yeah yeah
1: yeah, it's there's slime. Yeah, slime. There's yeah, Starfleet. Yeah. There's going to yeah. be slime. That's kind of a given.
0: Right. <laughs> like Boim like in that moment, Boimler showed more sort of like desire for command and like rose above anything than the other officers cuz to them it's all about just being in the right, you know. It seems more about like the title as far as they're concerned, but he's just more about like just doing what needs to be done. Yeah, they're you know, having certain- the
2: right haircut. Wearing right. your uniform in the right way, mm. right, having the right words to say, how to
0: stand properly. Yes,
2: yeah, so and they were very obsessed with mimicking other captains. They kept asking, uh, "Oh, yeah. did Riker do this?" Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Well, that was when that Kazinti officer said, "Like, don't stand like this, hunched over." And he, they were mimicking how they look in the animated series exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember I said, "That's where an Easter egg works really well because, like, I know what he's doing." He's mimicking how they look on the animated series, but to somebody for the uninitiated, it's still funny because he looks absurd standing like that.
1: Yeah, 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 he does. Yeah, it's it, it's really solid. Uh, it's a, that's here, here again. Solid episode. Yep. Yeah, and, and, they're, they're all great. <laughs> and
2: a lot of character, like you said, it's about the ones that really build the character as well. And yeah. even the even though the lower the other lower deckers are just kind of cleaning things up, and they have their sort of conflict, and that Tendy's very into it, mm-hmm. and the rest of them are not. Uh, even at the end, I really like when um, Rutherford says, "We should have fed off your enthusiasm and not tried to tamp it down." Yeah, you know, yeah. just a nice positive message that you know, like that's what we all should do. We should try to feed off each other's enthusiasm, not try to
1: you know complain and bring exactly. down the yeah. bummers. <laughs> mine it's 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 too easy it's too easy to be a wet blanket nowadays (laughs) oh yeah there's plenty to complain about yeah and you know what a what a crappy way to go through life (laughs)
0: um mine is um excretious i excretious which was uh the holodeck uh the the drill sergeant episode yeah um (laughs) that aside from like it being having an actual dilemma Right, because I just think even without the actual dilemma, like if we find out those holodeck simulations weren't rigged, it still I think would have been a funny episode. But that added an extra layer to it, and I think brought it sort of brought came back to the theme of the Cerritos crew doing something above and beyond what they normally do. But that episode, just purely from a from a comical standpoint, that episode actually had the like the biggest laugh out loud moment for me, like to the point where I actually had to pause the episode because I was laughing so hard. I can't tell you how much joy I got out of watching Boimler go through that Borg simulation and just keep going through it over and over and over again Hitting because it I again. <laughs> I loved the logic that, because you know yeah. the the idea is that he just has to get out of there and he does it flawlessly but he doesn't know why he's only getting a 79 so he keeps going back in trying different things. Yeah. And I <laughs> love that there's like a moment, he clearly has a moment off-screen that we don't see where like he somehow determines like well, surely if I take more Borg babies with me, that means my score is going to get higher, right? Yeah. But I love that we see it and then we go away from it for a little while. And then when we get toward the end of the episode when they realize everything is being rigged and they find out Boimler is actually still, they're like, oh, let's do him again. And they're like, no, you can't. I've already, you know, everybody's done. And they find out Boimler is still inside the simulation and they contact him in the simulation and it smash cuts to him. He's got like a bunch of, borg babies tied to him he's got a bunch of borg drones tied up behind him who are just kind of and i love that the drones are just kind of like they're almost like passively annoyed at it but they don't even try getting out of it or anything
2: yeah yeah. and somehow he managed to get a starfleet ship to come to get him (laughs) as well
0: Yeah, which is very impressive. Like he, yeah, like he, yeah, he got the ship to come. They, they remote detonated it. Like he, but when they smashed cut to him standing there, like responding to to a uh, Mariner's call, and he's got all those babies tied to him. I, I just like I nearly spit my drink out. I was laughing so hard because it was so, like this is these are the lengths he was going to go to, and he had a hundred percent score. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, these are the this is this is what he's going because like he has Can no read, idea
2: simulation no less. What's yeah. that? He got one hundred percent in a rigged simulation, right? And he said,
0: and I pointed out, he's striving for perfection, just like a Borg drone. But even to the point where he said, "I taught the Borg, I I taught the Borg Queen empathy, and I even beat her at chess,"
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: which is also one of my favorite lines. Yeah. But um, no, I and you know, and that episode kind of kind of comes off the hot off the heels of the ep- of um where he joins the red shirts, and I felt like right around this time is when he was beginning to kind of figure out. Because I, because the issue I was I was fearful I was going to have this season was when we take him off of the uh, Titan, where does he go? Because that was his dream posting. So yeah. what do we do with him now? Um, but it seemed like at this point he had sort of had a new kind of North Star to shoot for, and it was just you know just being. It's not about where you are. It's not about what ship you're on. It's not about who's your captain. It's just about being the best Starfleet officer that you can be, no matter yeah. what your responsibilities are at that moment.
2: Exactly. And he wasn't ready when he went. And now as we've seen his and character he grow... He wasn't. Yeah. yeah, much more ready for leadership.
0: I, I I think my only note on that, though, when he went to the Titan, I, I, I was sort of... And maybe he'll get paid off later, I don't know, but I was sort of hoping that he would have come to that realization on his own mm. that he wasn't ready rather than him just being swiftly removed because he was cloned. And then Riker's like, okay, bye, right? Like, I just... I was like, I don't know. Like, I kind of wish he had realized that on his own that he wasn't that he wasn't ready for this. But, I mean,
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, well, and I, you know, in looking at uh, what's the one with uh, Jeffrey Combs where Jeffrey Combs comes in.
0: Um, oh, where Pleasant fount- Where Pleasant Fountains lie.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, it's interesting in that um, you know Mariner makes it. Well, you're not ready. My gut reaction is like who are you to say but you know <laughs> right. like you don't get to make that call you're right. not my rank. you're not my superior officer but uh you know but i i think it shows that she truly does care and right she, and she has been around the bend you know like she's she's been on a lot of ships she's been on a lot of planets a lot of missions and all right. that stuff so like
0: she's been she that, was assigned that to alpha, ds9
1: yeah apparently that knowledge is yeah. you know comes in handy and she knows she just knows and yeah she's not the commanding officer but yeah. like she cares how she do you feel cares.
0: how do you guys feel knowing that in seasons four five six and seven of ds9 mariner is there somewhere <laughs> because she was oh, there yeah. during Worf's time and Worf leaves <sighs> at the end of season seven so in the last four seasons of the show mariner is on that station someplace
2: somewhere yeah she's doing right? something great <laughs> I hope they find a background actress to sort of... Oh, no. Like Leave
0: as it to me. As I'll just work her. my magic in Photoshop. I'll put Tawny Newsome somewhere in the background out of focus Please. and say there she is. Oh, my God. I will do yes. That. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. um, Please tag me in all of those. Yes. That's going to be awesome.
0: I yes, will so, do yeah. I will do all of that. Um, that will
2: be as good as Captain Rex being in Return of the Jedi.
0: Favorite nice. lines of the season. Line or lines.
1: Well, mine, mine kind of goes. My favorite line from this season ties directly back to season one. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite line from this season is in. Um, it's in the uh, it's in the finale, and uh, they just uh, they've just revived uh, Boimler from nearly drowning. And he sort of comes to, and it and it hit me because <laughs> no, because really I watched are. the season because I watched the season twice. I was really trying to pay attention to the lines to see what hit me the second time around, as hard if not harder than the first time. Yeah, and it got me both times. He finally comes to, sits up, and goes, "I saw a koala." <laughs> I love that because that's a reference back to uh, season one, episode four, Moist Vessel, where uh, Tendi is trying to help her friend ascend. And when he finally does start to ascend, he he starts, you know, know, everything in the universe is coming into his head. And he's just like, the universe is balanced on the back of a giant koala. Why is he smiling? What does he know? (laughs) (laughs) It's just so random. But yeah, that hit me just as hard the second time around that i saw a koala (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why it's such a it's such a one-off it's such a throwaway line but just like we're i mean in watching it like even this time the second time around like as someone who has almost drowned before like seeing that you're like oh he's a goner like that's it oh yeah 86 boimler like that that's it that's we were
0: talking about like how we were into the drama of that situation too i was
2: riveted i really thought i mean i knew i assumed he wouldn't die but in that moment i feared
1: for his life i thought he was done for then for him to finally cough and you know finally sit up and just i saw a koala
0: (laughs) but that's also a testament to how i think develop the character's eye you may not think he's going to drown i mean it's the finale maybe there's a slight chance that he will but you know in the back of your mind that he won't and yet you're still afraid he's going to yeah it's like when i watch i say this all the time it's like when i watch back to the future when the delorean's going back toward the clock tower i've seen the movie five million times and i still am fearful that the delorean's not going to make it yeah it's the same (laughs) you know it's the same thing
1: because yeah. as we're watching like we're doing the, we're also doing the math in our head of yes he should have hit the gas a long time ago There's Exactly, no way he's going to make it
3: so
2: and for my favorite lines I also went with the the sort of throwaway lines I think that sometimes the show has the most fantastic throwaway lines yeah so when we've got um Shaxx and Rutherford are doing their rage clay <laughs> Like you call it Rage Clay. Shax is very much, um, uh, you know, he's really letting the rage out. And Rutherford has grown very close to Shax. Mm. And he's kind of going, I don't think Rutherford is having a lot of rage. So uh, Shax is saying things like, do you think I had time for anything but resisting? Fighting fascism was a full-time job. But then you just hear Rutherford say, get out of here, rage. (laughs) He's just going along, but he's being himself.
0: <laughs> I think so. Uh, oh, sorry, though,
2: and then yeah. and then one other my favorite throwaway, throwaway lines after the um, the training uh, the rigged trainings yeah. when they're finding out how that it was rigged and Mariner finds out that one hers was not rigged because they just she didn't have time to rig it and Mariner yeah. says horses love me shut up. <laughs> horses she was thrown from a horse
0: I really thought you were going to say for the Klingons I bro- I broke my back picking up a peanut
2: I, I, I forgot about that one. I, yeah. that one
0: I really thought you were going to add that one because you you had strong feelings about that when we recorded that episode
2: I did I forgot about that
0: because it's, because it's said in a Klingon way I broke my yeah. back picking up a peanut <laughs> like it's said in that very kind of like warrior right. way And I'm sort
2: of impressed that they have the honesty to admit that it was picking up a peanut, not engaged (laughs) in battle. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Right. Um, Well, that is one of mine, but I have multiple. Um, So that one um, from Where Pleasant Pleasant Fountains Lie When the AI is Being Buried. I have rights! Or um, uh, Rutherford has a great one in that episode. Yeah. so that's also the subplot. That's when the engineering, the chief engineer, he has, he's on that ship with his family and they yes. want him to have sex. Yeah. And they can't yeah. find him. They can't find Phillips. And Rutherford says, where's Phillips? Did his kingdom come?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, my other one we talked about earlier, uh, like Jed Zia Dex. No, who the fuck is that? I don't know who that is. Because, again, it was very much like exactly what we needed. Because up to that point, the crew gets every reference made. Yep. And the doctor has no idea who mm-hmm. Jadzia, Dax Jadzia Dax is. Dax is. Right. Yeah.
2: And I love she follows it up with, no, I meant like Spock because yeah. we can all accept that she would know Spock. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: Right. Uh, and I, maybe I would add an honorable mention same episode when Captain Freeman says uh, when the crew's all mad at her because they may, because they find out she may go to another ship. And she's confused by it all. And she says, did someone buy a mood altering plant on the station or something? Which is clearly a TOS Easter egg. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, any predictions for next season
1: oh, or hopes? Man. I, so, the two things I'm most hopeful for uh, in terms of plots that were uh, started, if not started in the finale, were led up to um, throughout the season I'm super curious as to the story behind Rutherford's Implant. Yes. I'm yeah, yeah. really, really curious about that. And I, I, here's the thing. I hope it pays off in a big way, but if it pays off in a silly way, I'm kind of okay with that too.
0: Because <laughs> it, it was so, it. it was so out of left field too, right? Like it was, yeah. there was nothing. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: It, it really and, reminded me of um, George O's, um, visions on season three, three. of yeah. discovery when she yeah. started having these flashes to the mirror universe where they're giving us just enough to be intrigued for something to come yeah
1: right and uh honestly i'm i'm interested to see if there's any further romantic development amongst the four because i mm. mean we've gotten some hints about you know clearly shacks and Taana like probably get it on on the regular but um, yeah, yeah. you know i think in the episode where um tendy helps her crewmate ascend like they actually exchange a kiss there at the end before he ascends and i was it was a really sweet moment i was like and plus tendy's just adorable i just right. want to dunk her in my coffee she's just so cute <laughs> i love her to death so i'm i'm excited to see you know who who gets with who because i mean there's clearly there's clearly the relationships run deep and you know we we care so much about them (laughs) and we just want them to be happy (laughs) so um yeah i'm excited for any sort of romantic development between anyone really (laughs) thanks
0: um yeah i mean i'll go with yeah rutherford's thing obviously is a big um aspect i hope that they i mean i don't think they're gonna leave us out in the dark but yeah to your point like hoping it pays off in a um again maybe not necessarily big way but the show is doing a lot of has been doing a lot more serious stuff and the humor is coming out of the situation like more like serious drama and you know stakes and whatnot so i'm hoping that's more of a kind of serious more intriguing thread that they pick up on um hopefully, you know, I want to see what happens with this Vulcan with this Vulcan from the episode. I'm hoping that she does join the Lower Deccas and becomes a sort of foil. I think it would be cool if they begin to expand the Lower Deccas, you know, cast a little bit. Um yeah. because, you know, like I said, they're doing a lot of pairing off and trying new things out. I think now would be a cool time to introduce somebody new into the fray and see what you can do. There, particularly being a Vulcan, because I think a Vulcan would be great—a great foil for the for the type of humor. And then also, um, you know, what's the deal with this? Are we going to get a new captain? I had said I think it would be great if they bring in Captain Jellico again, just because. Oh, but yeah, I want them to bring in a captain the, the, the who fill in. <laughs> right, like he's just yeah, he's just a fill in for whenever a captain. But like I, whoever this new captain is, I want it to be somebody who. um changes the dynamics of very much like and i say captain Jellico like captain Jellico like the same way he changed everything around on the enterprise
1: oh yeah so
0: i want there to be a captain who can maybe do something similar like obviously still keep it humorous but um there's sort of the new captain who everybody's now behaving uh, you know differently because the captain obviously is the one that sets the tone right. so well yeah. you know
1: i in I've made several references to the office but yeah. here again it's kind of like when Michael Scott left, you know. Right. Who's gonna who's gonna take the chair? Like it's gonna it's gonna shift the tone a little bit. Right. So, uh, I hope it's I hope it's I hope it's good. Is I hope, it's, it, yeah, I hope like, they know is what they doing? Is, <laughs> is it mean,
0: a new character or is it somebody from Right. From the established lore, canon, right. yeah. Do we want yeah. do we want a Captain Harry Kim? I I still think oh. Harry Kim. I, oh,
1: that's such a great idea. No,
0: we'll oh. see. I think Harry Kim should still be an ensign as a joke, and he should still be. But I I, I, that, that would do be do so Harry mean Kim. for Garrett Wang, I, you know, but yeah. So <laughs> That's great.
1: Or like he gets promoted specifically to take the Cerritos.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a field commission. <laughs> it's, 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 just, it's
1: only an act, so gets, Yeah. It's a yeah, field yeah. commission. It's not even a full, it's not even a full promotion.
0: I mean, <laughs> I'd be fine with either one. Like if it's, if it's a somebody from lore, fine. But if it's somebody new, that's also fine. Yeah. But, um, I just, my bigger concern is like somebody who changes the sort of dynamic and the mood of yeah. the crew. And they're like, they don't know how to operate. Like, because I remember there was that moment when, in the first season, when Freeman wants everybody to work faster, yes. right? So, like, is there something like that, where, like, a new captain comes and does stupid things like that, right? Mm, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think what I'm most looking forward to, well, my hope really is, I really hope that the captain, sort of actually jumping off of what you said, I hope that Captain Freeman's situation is not resolved super quickly yeah i sort of want it to play out a little bit i don't want it to be as quick as boimler's return from uh the titan mm. yeah um yeah so i'd like to see them sort of change the status quo a bit so it's not so sitcom and have that last for a while uh i'm definitely excited for the vulcan crew member i think we really need we're lacking some vulcan energy in this show
0: <laughs> yeah
1: and she's such There's, a loose. and she's such a loose cannon.
2: I know she's such oh a hothead. Yeah. Mariner's going to be uh have a run for her money with, with Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um Yeah, she's definitely going to throw off the dynamic, which I think will be good. And I hope that she stays around as well. I, I refer to him as the the replacement for Boimler that came and went and we saw him very briefly in the therapist's office and I think Oh, Jet. Finley. Yeah, Jet. Yeah, Jet and, and that yeah. was it. So I hope it's not one of those situations where they come, they fulfill a role, then they disappear. Yeah. Um, and I hope that they continue with this sort of relying more on their, or trusting in their storytelling abilities. Mm-hmm. And really, it seems as though they are, they've set up this conspiracy to be solved. They've planted the seed of something happening to Rutherford. So I, I just hope that we get to see them follow their, storytelling instincts yeah and let the humor flow from that
1: well off of what you said uh ethan i kind of hope you know and you know paralegal my paralegal side coming out here um there's been you know sort of courtroom drama episodes throughout the franchise and maybe oh yeah maybe this this might be the chance to see the trial of captain of captain freeman that might be an interesting thing who who would be who would be her advocate um you know, uh, you Maddox
3: know,
1: maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, who's, who's gonna, who's gonna be opposing counsel? Like, will we get some more cameos from some other Star Trek alum as the, um, as the panel, you know, as the panel, right. uh, you know, hearing we'll case. Patrick
2: Stewart to show up.
3: Yeah,
1: sure. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that'd be so cool. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think, I think that would be awesome. I, I would, definitely be down for that
2: that would be great that would be really great
0: yeah for sure
2: lots to look forward to for next season yeah oh boy
0: but I like that the season ended on a more dramatic on a dramatic note as opposed to last season more like I mean last season was a cliffhanger but like it wasn't like a it wasn't a cliffhanger yeah Yeah, like it wasn't a cliffhanger right it was just you knew they were going to get picked up it was going to get picked up on in the next episode but uh, this one's ending like on a very unexpectedly dramatic note. So, yeah. um, big, really keeping the
2: high stakes going that we started to get it toward the end of the season where now.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I was afraid
2: Jeffrey Freeman's freedom is on the line.
0: I was afraid that what was going to happen is like last season, I was hoping they weren't going to reserve the finales for like the big cameos. Cause I mean, obviously when Riker came in last season, it was a big moment. Right. Right. But right. I didn't want that to be sort of like a recurring element of the finales right and i like that they didn't go that way they sort of went in a more i mean they just took it more they went in a more original route which was uh which i Mm -hmm. which i found very refreshing so um and i i I mean
1: having those cameos is having those cameos is great but it's it's kind of fan service and i i feel i feel something after yeah after this after this second season which is as strong if not stronger than the first i i look forward to those cameos but i don't think these shows rest on them having cameos at all um so you know yeah bring them on if you want to i'm i'm invested in what you're doing it seemed like it seemed like the Riker cameo was almost like a hey thanks for getting behind what we're doing here <laughs> we know yeah. it's different but you guys have hung on for 10 episodes here's riker also and <laughs> take me yeah, back Here's tom paris
2: is more of a joke in, in itself I right right was its own joke
0: take me yeah. back to well i will say one thing for next season take me back to cetacean ops yes because i love those two <laughs> horny whales, the two horny whales yeah
2: <laughs> i fantastic fantastic oh nothing like saving the day and going for a skinny
1: dip right. come on <laughs> get your ass and i here. really love
2: <laughs> how they're they, trying to keep up with the gossip of the ship And one of the whales says to the other one come on keep up
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> but like the fact is that they took it so far like you could have just had two whales and that was fine but there were whales who had uniforms on they <laughs> had they had elkars yes. consoles in the tank like they were actual officers of the ship
2: yeah, and they were not adaptive uniforms, hardly. It was just right. little sleeves in a <laughs> torso part.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. God, I, I want to see them. Great. I hope they come back more regularly, because they were they were great. Yeah. They were really, really great. <laughs> mm-hmm. So
2: they got throwback to the Zindi watership.
0: That's that's what I thought of. I thought of the aquatic Zindis actually, yeah. From uh from Enterprise.
3: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I think we can call it. So um Yeah, that's it. Uh, so Todd, thank you for joining us. This was fantastic. You're
1: being our first guest. Gentlemen, yes. this has been uh absolute delight. Uh, you guys are uh, you guys are knocking it out of the park. I'm just happy you brought me along for this uh, for this episode. This was so much fun. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, thank you so much. And it was fun uh, to have you.
2: Thanks for coming
0: out. And to our listeners, you can reach out to us at Star Trek We Trust on Twitter and on Instagram at In Star Trek we Trust podcast but until then we'll be back next week I guess with the premiere episode of Star Trek Prodigy a new series on our hand in our midst in our midst yes. so
2: gonna be exciting I saw a koala
0: <laughs> <laughs> alright thanks everybody peace out
2: Oh, thanks did I miss Captain Freeman day
0: ha <laughs> ha haven't stopped yet so good nice good, nice job